0: All right. All right. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Kiro House podcast. The goal here is to have interesting conversations with interesting people. And today I've got Greg Ayrton, who is, uh, I, I've only known him for, I guess, close to two years now, kind of right. since I got into the real estate world. Um, but you have like a huge, uh, background in banking, mm-hmm. lending, finance, And you've recently made a transition into home building, correct? And uh, so, I mean, you like are right in line with with everything I'm doing. So I'm kind of excited to sit down and have this conversation with you, get to know you a little bit better and more personal level, and also hopefully we can get into some like nuts and bolts of what's going on in lending, banking, home building right now because real estate real estate's still crazy.
1: That's right. Uh, Yeah, grew up in Guthrie. Uh, my grandmother uh her first husband passed away but she remarried a guy that was a home builder Im- uh, immigrated here from Czechoslovakia and uh if you know the class and curve area now the, oh yeah uh, Aubrey McLennan purchased that so back in the late 40s my grandfather or you know, I consider him my grandfather uh he developed that and built built houses there and uh so my, I always kind of grew up with real estate on the brain just by osmosis, you know, from my grandmother because she had some rental properties and he taught her how to invest and do things. So
0: when you say he, you mean Aubrey?
1: No. Okay. uh, So her second husband, uh, his name was Albert Peschel. Okay. And uh, they got married before I was born. So I was kind of considering my grandfather. And, uh, but like I say, he was a builder and developer and he developed the neighborhood that was around 57th, 56th in Klassen. Okay. Uh, some of the old folks would know where the old split tea restaurant used to be. <clears throat> so Aubrey wanted that land really bad, and they were buying houses and well, turning it And for, for
0: people that don't know Aubrey, and I don't I don't know, I just know of him. I've sure. heard his name thrown around a lot, but he owns a lot of land. Correct, yeah. Here.
1: Now, unfortunately, you know, he he unfortunately died, passed away, but, uh, you know, he was the CEO and the creator of Chesapeake Energy. You know, oh, was he really? Yeah, that, so he created all these great jobs and kind of all the um, fracking revolution, natural gas revolution here in Oklahoma. Um, but he liked to, he had a taste for buying real estate and, and if he wanted it, he would get it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) He's one of those guys. So as he expanded the Chesapeake, um, campus, he eyeballed that neighborhood that my grandfather developed and my grandmother, she was actually the last one to sell out. You know, she's, they were offering her money for three or four years and she kept, I don't want to move. You know, this is where I'd, I'm happy. And what would it cost me to replace this piece of real estate? You know, she had a little garage yeah. apartment in the back that she rented out. So, um, anyway, she, she finally got the offer that was acceptable and, uh,
0: encouraged her enough to make the move.
1: Right. Right. But, so y- uh,
0: you, that, that was your first sort of like experience with real estate or real yep. estate investment was through mm-hmm. your grandmother right. and,
1: yeah. uh, and her and, husband Okay, and just learned a lot. You know, he was a, He'd save every cut off board, you know, he didn't waste anything, Yeah, you know, grew up in the, you know, went through the depression years, waste not, want not waste, not, want not. And, uh, so that's where it kind of first dawned on me that, wow, here's, here's somebody that's doing something that, uh, doesn't have to work for somebody, I have a nine to five and grinds and does it on his own. And has you know, built up a nice, uh, living over the years, but, uh.
0: So have you like, uh, in in your own personal experience and career, like, have you always been in real estate investment? Have you managed rental properties or bought and sold? Right.
1: Yeah. So transitioning from when he passed away, he, he left me a a bond, uh, that was going to be for my college. Okay. And, uh, so I played baseball and I was able to get a scholarship. So my grandmother said, well, Hey, you know, I don't want you to go blow this on something stupid. Let's, let's buy a piece of real estate with it. And uh, oddly enough, you know, my partners, Bo and Krista, that, you know, yeah. Bo's grandfather, Duffy Martin, was developing the new Cimarron National Golf Course at the time. And it, so uh, what, I liked what golf. year was this? Uh, this would have been 94, okay. uh, somewhere around there. Uh, so I thought it'd be a good idea to maybe buy a lot out there because uh, getting back into getting lucky with real estate, uh, my wife, Tasha, her dad was a builder as well so when i wasn't playing summer baseball um or going to school you know it's kind of hard to find a job when you have sports and academia in your life yeah he would let me come you know he roofed houses he framed uh concrete just kind of the whole gamut so i was just a greenhorn that didn't know anything and he said well hey uh you know if you're gonna date my daughter you're gonna come pay you five (laughs) dollars an hour to come do some grunt work for me so that was nice because I didn't know what I was doing, but I saw the process of new construction and uh, learned a lot from him. So he was building houses out there at Cimarron National, and I saw these lots come up for sale. And I said, Grandma, you know, I think I want to maybe use that bond money and uh, buy a lot out here. And just maybe I want to have my own house out here one day. Okay. Um, So ended up purchasing the lot. And four or five years later, you know, probably not going to move out here and uh, sold the lot. I, I don't know, maybe cleared... $10,000, $12,000. Ten, twelve thousand dollars. I don't know what it was, but you made a profit. I was like, "Wow, that's cool." Yeah, you know, how I that. didn't have to do anything, right? And uh, so, something that so kind of taught me a little bit about appreciation. And um, so, yeah, uh, using my my father in law, that we 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 bought some other lots in town and uh, built a couple duplexes. Okay, and uh, just recently sold those. Krista actually just uh, sold those for me. Nice. Um, Are those the ones I heard about out
0: on the west side of town?
1: No, those are. I think those are are my banker Jeds. Oh, Jed Jeds. Wagner. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Mine are mine actually closer to Pine and College. Okay, I got um, you. So obviously made lots of mistakes, but learned a lot. You know, you just kind of jump in there and figure out how to swim when you get there.
0: That is <laughs> like a hugely impactful statement. Sure, you made a ton of mistakes. Oh gosh, but you learn from them. I, I'm a big uh, believer that. When you come to any scenario, whether it be your career or, um, you know, whatever you're trying to learn, if you come to it with the mindset of a learner mm-hmm. or a student, you're, you're going to do fine and you're going to excel because yeah. you know that you're not, you're not approaching it like, Hey, I, I already know this, or I've already got that you know idea or whatever. You come to it as like, Hey, I, cl- I know I've got shit to learn.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, hey. and you just sit and watch and observe and listen.
1: Yeah. You know, cause college, um, nothing against Guthrie High School or University of Central Oklahoma, but I was a 2.9 GPA. You know, I didn't, I wasn't very smart. I lacked attention span. Reading yeah. comprehension terrible. <laughs> but you kind of learn the process of how do you solve problems. And, you know, trying to figure out, and finance was my degree, you know, so what am I going to do in the finance arena that I can solve problems for my employer or that obviously relate to solving problems for your customers. So, you know, you don't know anything at first, but when you learn, when you see other people solve problems in real estate, finance, or Building construction by osmosis—you just have to get better. Or you're gonna sink or swim. Yeah. Um, but so uh, when
0: when you went to school for finance, mm-hmm. what did you have in your mind that you wanted to do?
1: I didn't know. Uh, okay. you, Like I said, my my grandmother kind of instilled a investing mindset. Don't blow your money on stupid things. You know, doodads. Yeah. Buy th- buy things that are assets. And uh, so, in order to have assets, you got to have gold, right? You know, so the golden rule is the banker makes the, makes the rules, follow the golden rules. So, so banking always kind of intrigued me, but also liked investments. You know, that was back when 94, 95, you could throw a dart at the wall and any stock you bought would go up in price. Yeah. Um,
0: That went on until what, 2001? Right. Yeah. There were some ups (laughs) and downs
1: along the way. So kind of, so I thought, well, heck, I'll just uh, get this degree and I'll manage money for people. This is easy. Yeah. And uh, so got out of college and worked for John Hancock financial services. And, um, didn't know, I mean, I knew terminology, but I didn't know a lot of the big structures that was involved with people that had a lot of money, yes. you know, obviously they got there not needing this little guy, you know, yeah. to figure it out. So after three years of beating my head against the wall, trying to do that, you know, you get told no enough and you got a house payment, a car payment to figure out, uh, I was like, man, maybe I need to get back into something that's a little bit, uh, I can handle. So I got invited back to Guthrie to be a banker, uh, Rob Hudson, was on the board of a local bank here at the time. Greg, what are you doing? Said, well, trying to sell insurance and mutual funds, not doing so well. And <laughs> Have you ever thought about being a banker? I was like, not really, but I like money, <laughs> right? So, uh, well, so. And, and that's smart.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. So, one of one of my favorite financial books. I don't know if you've ever read. It's the The Richest Man in Babylon. Sure. Okay. So um, that has by far been one of the most impactful like bits of knowledge financially that I've ever read. And mm-hmm. I, I love the book because uh he tells it in all these anecdotes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like the Bible that you learn through stories. Sure. And uh one of the stories that he tells is about the the lender, mm-hmm. you know, the gold lender. Mm-hmm. And uh he and and so he goes on without just telling the whole story, he goes on to elaborate and explain why being a lender is such a, a, such a great thing it's mm-hmm. because the world sort of economically revolves around money mm-hmm. so like you're saying the person that that controls the the gold mm-hmm. will always have right. the upper hand or they'll always make the rules mm-hmm. and so if you're thinking you know hey how do I you know make it in this world or you know financial industries obviously uh, that's a great place to to start and to learn right and I think you can take, all of the education from the financial industry into all these ancillary services like real estate Mm -hmm. or, you know, project development, construction or whatever it is. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you hear about the evil bankers and, you know, wall street and all that stuff, you know, you got to be able to filter through some of the nonsense to, to know why it's so important to have a banking relationship or, or figure out how to obtain money because otherwise you're just going to be a a W two guy or, Nothing wrong with that, uh, but it's hard to build any kind of significant uh, assets or net worth by just working for somebody else. You don't get richer with a W. No, and you know in real estate, for somebody like me that maybe has harder time with more complex financial things, it's anybody can get into it. Every real estate deal, though, has its own complexities. As I'm sure you've learned. Oh yeah, but you can't get to the table without the banker. Yeah, especially, you have to have the money. Especially in the beginning. So working at the bank, um, in conjunction with knowing a little bit about construction, I was able to start doing construction loans for builders. And uh, so you just kind of learn the process. And, you know, you learn it's not that hard it, once you learn what the steps are to get there. So, yeah, if I was going to tell somebody I want to get into real estate, make get in a relationship with a banker and uh, find out what it is you got to do to make... You look good to them. Um, It's not hard. You know, you just have to have some financial discipline.
0: How would someone, um, you know, so I kind of stumbled into my relationship with my lender, Mm -hmm. uh, who's Brandon Samples with AMS. I ended up getting linked up with him because I was cold calling Mm -hmm. and I was calling around a neighborhood in Edmond and got a hold of his stepmom. And I was asking her if, if she would be interested in selling. And she said, you need to talk to my husband, call this guy. Yeah. And so I called him and uh, he said, yeah, I'd like to talk about selling. Why don't you come out? Anyway, he's he's a mortgage lender mm-hmm. or a mortgage broker and um, went through that whole process selling his house, which ended up being like a seven month endeavor, even in this market. You know, mm-hmm. we, were, we were asking top dollar mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, that was a huge um, experience or learning experience because we're asking top dollar and we were offering a product that was, um, you know, like, I don't want to say subpar, but, um, it had, it, you know, needed some love, you mm-hmm. know, exterior need love interior need love updating. And so, uh, thankfully he knew he wanted to sell and, uh, he wanted to get the biggest return. And so he would do a little bit here. We'd put it back on the market, see if we could, you know, mm-hmm. reel in a buyer. Nope. Okay. We pull it off, do a little bit more, and then put it back on. Anyway, so I ended up getting linked up with his son, who's the the VP of the company. Um, and I've just sort of stumbled into that relationship, but it's been uh, it's been great having someone on my side who who's in the financial industry has the connections and the knowledge and the expertise. And I can, you know, reach out and and pick his brain on, on, you know, how to get a certain buyer qualified, or can we do this deal? Or, you know, we we've gotten a lot of tricky deals done just because I've got that relationship with him. Right. But for another uh, agent, maybe uh, someone newer than I am, um, how do you go about creating value for a lender so that you can get their attention and and like, what, what can you offer them?
1: Well, fortunately, we're not in this position now, but, uh, you know, there will probably come a time again where, where banks are going to have what they call ORE on their balance sheet, which is called other real estate owned, you know, so, if, oh. if, so, so, so like refos, if, right? So if, you know, as a, as a realtor or somebody that has networked and finds a lot of real estate investors, um, you know, that's, I saw a lot of people do well with banks, not even having a, you know. Uh, Cash down or whatever, but you know the, the the realtors were able to find people like yourself that maybe knew just enough to either rehab a property, make it you know they've had some success before doing it. Well, banks are a lot more eager to, hey, I'll I'll get you into this property that I'm have on my books and I'm trying to get off for for no money down or um, yeah. it, as long as you're going to put in the sweat equity, you know, put some lipstick on it, whatever needs to be done to get it sold. So, so if I was a young realtor. Um, establishing some relationships with some, some lenders that might have some problem assets. Okay. Um, granted, we're not necessarily in that time right now, but still to this day, you know, you can pull up any County in the state and find some sheriff sales or tax sales or whatever. You can kind of look and see who has the mortgage on that. Um,
0: Well, and and we might not be there now, but this is all cyclical. Yeah. Sure. And so eventually we will be. And so Mm -hmm. if I'm hearing you right, I I hear let's get these relationships established now so that when the time comes, you're not fighting for, uh, you know, some of these bankers attention while every other realtor is.
1: Right. Yeah. So just making those connections and like the thing that you did that was great with your banker was, you, you know, you got, you figured some stuff out, maybe everything didn't go to plan but you got to the finish line. Yes. And you showed that banker like, "Hey, I can I can deal with obstacles, uh, forge ahead and get the deal done." And then, you know, it's kind of just like anything in life, you prove yourself a couple times, it becomes easier for you to call them, they're going to pick up the phone or email them whatever. "Hey, here's a deal I got working. This is kind of how I want to get there. How do you see it? Um am I on the right track of thinking? Yeah. What what do I need to do to you know, secure a mortgage with you or, or find a way to get a more complex deal done. It might not be for you. Like you say, a customer of yours, Yeah, like here's a situation, um, whatever the obstacle may be, maybe, maybe, maybe they're self-employed and they don't have two years worth of verifiable income. You know, how do I get around that? Um, there's always ways, um, but it's not always a straight path.
0: Well, and so in your experience coming from lending, uh, so you were at Great, Plain, Great Plains Bank mm-hmm. most recently. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like if I have a, I don't want to say trouble client, but someone that's harder to get financed? Mm-hmm. Would, would you have more success bringing them to a local bank or mm-hmm. going through a mortgage broker or like, what about big banks like, you know, B of A, Wells Fargo, Chase, because of the volume, are they more likely to do? You a, would a probably
1: tougher? strike out with the bigger ones. Okay. Cause uh, you don't fit in their mold. Right. You, you do. You, every box has to be checked. So, so local bankers, that's the nice thing about local banks that can maybe fudge a little areas, whatever. Um, but lots of times, you know, don't know what the problem might be, but, uh, uh, you know, those credit counseling services are so helpful. I've seen so many people in a 90-day or six-month period be able to just get rid of little dinky things that maybe has their credit score not in the right pr- You know, you have to be a 620, right, or 640 these days. Yeah. So you run across some people that are a 580, and you look at their credit report, and maybe it's like you really only have two or three things here that are making this look unbankable. Okay. Uh, so
0: in, in that instance, if you just clear up these two things, right, then, hey, you know, 30, 60 days from now, your credit mm-hmm. score could be 40 points. Higher.
1: Right. So getting with a credit counselor or, um, you know, we had a mortgage department at our bank, and they'll have number phone numbers you can call just like, hey, call this number, this credit agency that can kind of direct you to how to call. And say you have a $500 medical bill. And I've seen instances where, hey, if you'll just send us $200 and we'll wipe it clean you know or pay us 10 dollars a month. Does that actually
0: work? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, it works, so that, but it you have to stay on top of it. So you start the process and 45 60 days later then you want to reach out to that person again and say make sure are you reporting this, you know, to the credit bureau and then then you can get it repooled and uh, follow up that it's been done. But it'll you could bump your score 80 points by just do, turning something into a charge off into a a performing loan or debt or whatever that's on your, your credit report. So, okay. You know, lots, lots of times, like you say, every situation is different. Some some people have a bankruptcy. That's maybe a harder deal to get through.
0: I've got one right now. Um, and this woman, I, I mean, I would love to help her out. She's in a position where Um, her house is appreciated so much Mm -hmm. that she feels like it's the right time to cash out, Mm -hmm. sell her house. And she's been wanting for a long time to get out on, you know, an acre or two, Mm -hmm. um, even kind of downsizing her, her kids are grown. Um, you know, she was divorced a few years ago and, and she's like, I just want to, she breeds dogs Mm -hmm. and she's like, I want to be out on an acre or two where I can, you know, breed dogs and Mm -hmm. run my thing. And, you know, and that's it. Um, but when she got divorced, she ended up having filed bankruptcy right. and man,
1: maybe no fault of her own.
0: No, but, um, that, that's really like hurt our ability to find her lending. Mm-hmm. And so is there, in your experience, just out of curiosity, is there anything you can do to get past that? Or do you just need to wait until that's been discharged?
1: One way I'd maybe go about it would be, uh, you know, it's easier for a bank, uh, to maybe go a commercial loan route than a consumer loan Really? So say she runs dogs for a living, right, or doggy daycare, whatever it may be. Well, let's see if we can buy. Let's form an LLC and buy this property in a business oh, wow. m- mindset, and you know, go to a local bank. Say, you know, here's here's how here's why my bankruptcy happened. Um, you know, here's things I'm doing to correct it. I've got great equity. You know, you can't have bad cash flow, bad credit, and bad down payment. You can't have all three. Yeah. But if if we can eliminate two, okay, I can deal with your your bankruptcy, but we're going to repair your credit moving forward, and you've got good equity. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out, okay, well, let's form an LLC. That way there's no minimum credit score necessarily. We'll get it bought, and as you repair your credit down the road, we could deed it back to yourself individually if you ever wanted to refinance it when your credit's good enough to um, do a 30-year mortgage. You know, a local bank, you might be on a, a 15 or 20 year AM. Okay. But if you have a lot of equity, if she, you know, if you can get it 70% of purchase price or less, yeah. you know, a bank might let you do interest only for a year or 18 months. Okay. So that way your, your payment's not out of whack and it gives you a year or 18 months to fix whatever little credit issues you have, um,
0: well, and see her credits, I mean, it's, uh, she's over 680. Okay. So she so just has like, the bankruptcy. Yeah. She's got the bankruptcy, but I mean, mm-hmm. she's got good income. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got a ton of equity in the house. Mm-hmm. Credits decent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but that bankruptcy's killing her.
1: Right. And you know, somebody like you, you know, what I see that you do, you always like to go above and beyond for your customer. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've found this to be true. So if you really want a deal to happen, it's like, well, Hey, Miss Customer. I tell you what. You know, maybe it's intimidating to go to the bank because you've been told no before since this bankruptcy. I'll come with you to the bank. Let let's sit down with a banker so I can help interpret the terminology or um, pa- paint paint the picture that that the bank needs to hear. I like that. Um, you know, that way the banker might ask her a question when she's on her own. You're just kind of waiting for her to call you and say, "Well, how'd it go?" Well, and she gives the banker kind of a deer in the headlights look on a a response. Yeah, but if or, can,
0: or says I, I don't know, or, right? And you're like, no, why you know? Why yeah. Did you say that? <laughs> yeah,
1: so kind of have a plan before you go in. Um, so, okay, I, I I do a lot of things that way because I I know a, a little about a lot, but a, not much about a lot of things <laughs> too. So having good partners, you know, so partnering up with your client to find people or like, or you can say, hey, Greg, you know, you're a retired banker. Would what well, would you? be willing to meet with me and this lady at the bank and we can kind of let's get a yellow pad out before we go in and yeah let's figure out a plan yeah Uh,
0: well we'll we might have to connect about that after the fact i know she she'd like to try and get somewhere or at at least get that definitive answer like can i do Hmm. it or not like is there a way forward or should i just be waiting and i see a lot of we'll have to follow up on that
1: you know lots of realtors i'm sure you see this but it's easy to give up it's too easy you know oh this that not gonna happen I think
0: that's where a lot of realtors, especially newer realtors, well, and maybe experienced realtors too, Mm -hmm. fail is they hit something like, um, you know, I've got a young lady and, and her, uh, her new husband buying a house in Guthrie, Mm -hmm. $150,000 house, not, you know, this huge deal, but, um, she's young and doesn't, it doesn't have any credit Mm -hmm. and the husband has poor credit. And so a lot of people would just look and say like, I mean, how are you going to make that work? Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we just put our heads together. I want to help them. Mm -hmm. And um, we're, we're doing some creative stuff. Uh, We brought her dad into the deal Mm -hmm. and he's adding her to one of his established credit accounts you know, uh, she's got a credit score now, uh, and and it's a good one. Right. And so now she's able to get qualified for this mortgage and get into her house. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's kind of a dream come true for her. So. Well,
1: lots of times, you know, young couple or just people in general, maybe they're a little stubborn or just prideful or there's not, no shame in saying, you know, my first house is $42,000, but I didn't have any credit. I had to go to my dad and say, Dad, I don't have any credit. Would you... Would you co-sign a loan with me? You know, it's just, yeah, he well, did it, you know, uh, had some money put down, um, you know, sometimes it'd be that simple, but, uh, but yeah, just, uh, as, as a realtor, that would be priority one, you know, having, having some bankers in your corner, uh, that will listen to you. Yeah. You know, Hey, I'm not trying to bring you a bad deal. Yeah. It might, can I show you how I think this will work? Okay. You know, don't make them think it through I already have a plan when you go in, like, I know this looks rough on the surface, but here's how I think we can make it make it bankable, you okay. know, fit your criteria. Okay. Um and then like I say, if you do that enough times and it they they get a good customer out of the deal, makes it that much easier for them to listen to you as the realtor later. Yeah. Um I and like that. just when you serve other people, you know, Craig, he really saw no other realer would have solved this problem or no other bank would have solved this problem. Yeah. You know,
0: and, and you, you before long develop a reputation for mm-hmm. helping people getting deals done. And even like when you say on the surface, if it looks sticky, mm-hmm. you know, but you can figure out a way to get it done. And, and then they're like, Hey, I mean, that was a, that was a rough deal, but I mean, it worked out.
1: It worked out, you know, and you're not going to win them all. Yeah. um, You know, but can't steal your, what is it? Can't steal second with your foot on first, you know? Or, <laughs> I like that. Yes. <laughs> miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So yep. You know, I would just encourage people to not be discouraged. You know, you get told no by the bank a couple times or what? you're just like, oh, it's just those evil guys. It's not going to happen.
0: You you said something just now. Uh, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. Right. And I love that so much because I'm a big believer. And I haven't always been like this, but I am a big believer that there is no success in life without risk. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you just kind of took a big risk yourself a little while back. Right. I I think you could call it a risk, but you left a very good job with the bank and kind of went out, uh, not on your own. You went out with Bo and Krista, but Mm -hmm. tell me about that. What do you guys have going on?
1: So, right at the well, I guess to back up a little bit, uh, you know, I've known Bo since I was little. I told you the story my first piece of real estate I bought from his grandpa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Bo got into real estate just he's told you the story. I love uh, it. Yeah, it's a great, it. great story how he's gotten into real estate. And obviously, actually, tri-
0: I'm, I'm going to tell it real quick. Yeah, because I think it's fantastic. So we, we were talking about this the other day. Uh, we went to the ambassador train training for exit. And uh, I, I had, this was the first time I had heard him say it, I think. But he said that uh, he got into real estate or he was in real estate for two weeks before he even found out. And he said that he was, I think he said Christmas morning, he opened something up and Krista had got him, you know, paid for his that's classes to get right. the real estate license. And right. he was like, I guess this is happening. Got to commit. Yeah. And so I, I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, he he didn't even know he was doing it when he was doing it.
1: Oh, man. And what a success. Uh, and like you said, when he, he told me the story, he's like, man, I know when I let Krista do this, she's just going to run right over me, you know, <laughs> be a bulldog at it, which she is. She's great at it. But uh, anyway, so I was in the banking world and met Bo. I knew Bo, but uh, he said, Greg, man, we're trying to move some lots out here at Cedar Valley. And you've built houses before and you do construction lending. How, can you help me do something? Kind of like we're talking about solving problems. And so did a couple construction loans where he was kind of the realtor, but kind of overseeing a builder, kind of basically being a superintendent uh, on a job. And I don't think, made any great money, but, you know, moved a couple lots and, uh, he and I kind of got to know each other more on a business level. Um, were you guys friendly growing up? He was, he's four or five years younger than me, so it's not okay. like we were running around buddies, but, I gotcha. um, but always interacted well with, with Bo growing up new, you know, great family and, um, you know, e- easy guy to hang out with. So, um, uh, so as we did a couple business deals together through the bank and through his realtor office. And, you know, I'd send Krista stuff over the years, you know, we just kind of built a rapport, uh, where he finally just said, you know, Greg, I know you're, I'm not saying quit being a banker, but let's build some houses together. Let's just, you and I partner up on it. And, um, so you kind of got to walk that line, you know, you don't necessarily want your employer to think that you're focusing all your attention on being a builder, you know, or have any conflict of interest. So, I said, Bo, if you'll kind of help me rodeo, checking on subs and, um, you know, I'll help when I can, I'll pay all the bills, do all the back accounting, you know, and, uh, in the evenings just to kind of keep up. I said, let's try one. So this kind of gets back to, you know, thinking outside the box. It's like, how can we do this with the least amount of risk? Um, so we talked to the golf course about, uh. You know Bo's dad and they they you know they, they've got a big huge family out there. It's like, would you guys let Bo and I build on one of these lots um and pay you for the lot when the house sells so you know banks like that down payment part, right so oh yeah and, you know, i don't I don't have thirty grand lying around for a lot, you know, but uh so they agreed to do it, and uh we, we did it, paid them for their lot at closing, and like well, that was easy, made a little money. Uh, so just kind of kept doing it. Well, this land came up for sale, uh, near, near the golf course, or we knew it was about to come up for sale, been in the family for a long time. Um, so you got to figure out how to pay for it, which we, we, again, just, uh, you know, you're talking about great books. Uh, my, my favorite book or my favorite education that kind of helped me figure out how to navigate things to buy assets was rich dad poor dad oh my god so yeah. robert kiyosaki you know you just not every you're not going to take everything in that book and apply it to your life but there's so many little ideas in there and i use some of those concepts that's
0: uh, one that i think shifts your entire perspective oh gosh. on like work and investment right and money and everything like you can't read that book and not walk away, change
1: right. Almost as a realtor, you're almost scared to tell people to real to read it because he, you know, his number one thing is your house isn't an asset. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it can be. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, so using some of those rich dad poor dad principles, uh, we we were able to kind of get into that land for a, a good price, good rate with the bank, and but it was we bought we contracted that April of twenty twenty. You know, the COVID year. Oh shit. So you're like.
0: What are we doing? Did it happen before or was COVID already going on?
1: Right. So this is 30, 45 days after everything shut down. Okay. So in your mind, you're like, surely this won't be a big deal forever. Yeah. But, you know, so we actually didn't close till July. Um, So at the closing table, you know, we're closing on this land purchase, knowing that we're going to have to invest well over a million dollars to develop it. And we're like, what have we just done? (laughs) Right. So, oh my uh, but we had a plan, um, you know, with every investment, you kind of want to know your exit strategy. Right. Uh, so we always knew, Hey, if we fall flat on our face, we can always maybe just survey this out into 20 or 40 acre tracks and get our money back, you know? Okay. You know, so I I always try to tell people when they're, Oh, this is going to be the best, best deal, best deal ever. Well, because I'm a banker I've heard these stories you know with my brain and your money uh, we're going to be rich right? <laughs> but I always like to ask people like you know on a cloudy day the daffodils got sprayed by roundup and they're wilting how do you you know how do you navigate a, a bad scenario where it doesn't work out like you think it's going to work out so so we went into it knowing what our bad day would be okay but it's been great so now we've got oh we we uh, our one of our builders contracted their first two homes and they're actually uh, one he contracted word of mouth on his Facebook page three days after he did that. And then the other one, he, wow. uh, I can't think of his realtor company's name, but she had it on the market for two days and he got a cash offer, a uh, full asking price. Uh, so got our first two comps out there. That'll be great. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: And what are they comping out at per foot? Uh,
1: About 182 Nice. Foot, right? Yeah. Nice. Um, And there's five miles south of there, on a similar type of property, they're paying over 200 a foot now. Really? So it's still a great value because uh, we're 20 minutes from the turnpike. Um, and people, you know, with all this remote uh, work atmosphere, kind of like what you have set up here, so great that you don't necessarily have to be in the metropolitan area to sure. yeah. do great things, network, you know, figure out things. So. Um, uh, so we're excited. Um,
0: well, and that's good. Um, it, it's, it's a good area out there too. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a few things going for you. One, you've got all these people that from what I've heard, they want to get out of the city, mm-hmm. especially, I hear people wanting to get out of Edmund like crazy. Sure. And, uh, like specifically over there, kind of on the West side around, like on either side of Broadway, mm-hmm. cause you hear that it takes 20 minutes to get out of Edmund just to get out. Right. Um, so I, a lot of the people like at the open house I did for Krista a mm-hmm. few weeks back, everyone coming in was like, God, I just can't, can't wait to get out of Edmonton. Right. I'm, I'm looking for an acre or, you mm-hmm. know, a half acre minimum. And so, uh, you guys, I think were smart in that you did three quarter acre minimum. Right. And then you've got a few out there that are like, what, two and five or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, We
1: have some larger lots. And then we actually, you know, the, we bought that land and started cutting in streets and doing all that. And, uh, a lady showed up, my, my house burned down. And, uh, so as in the process, your
0: personal of, house burned down,
1: right? Yeah. So right after oh. we bought that land, that, that August, uh, golf cart caught fire in my house and <laughs> burned down and, you know, obviously created all these issues. Uh, but I wasn't at my house and I had a guy out there working on my cabinets and this lady just shows up and says, I'm so-and-so I'm from California and I'm looking for Greg Ireton. And, uh, luckily my cabinet guide didn't, get scared said okay here's his number uh so I get a call you know from Bakersfield whatever it was and I didn't answer and she leaves an email and says I'm so-and-so and I notice what you're doing across the street and we have a farm across the street and you know my mother's getting elderly and her brother's getting elderly and we'd, we'd like to maybe see if you'd be interested in buying it like wow you know so Bo and I'd already kind of had we're already almost over waist deep across the street and but we knew this would maybe be a, a neat opportunity too. Yeah. Um, so called her back and, uh, went and had donuts and coffee at, uh, Oh, what's our, what's our good donut coffee place. Oh, Missy's. Missy's. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, was able to finalize a deal at Missy's donuts and, uh, dude. Yeah. So
0: that's the quarter Bo was telling me about. Right. Yeah. So it's, that's the quarter just to the east of the one you guys are building on.
1: Right. And it's just a beautiful wheat pasture now. A funny story. It's, a, it's been in the same family since the land run what so yes it's uh been tilled ground but it's only been one it's been in one family since land run so now Bo and i own it we call our company bow guy because we like golf so (laughs) Bo is his initials and you know gi is mine and we so we bogey you know make a lot of bogeys in golf so (laughs) so so bow guy bought a farm Uh, but we're actually uh in the process now i think uh krista put it out there a little bit on facebook yesterday Got two five acre tracks that we're going to sell off, and uh, okay. you were talking about how it is kind of hard to find some some lots. We're going to have uh, six lots there that we're going to survey off uh, that are ready right now. You know, already got a paved road in front, already got rural water, already got electricity. So some acre and a half lots there that we're going to really go ahead and. So you guys are already
0: cups. breaking into that quarter over there.
1: Yeah. Now we got, we got to let the guy farm his wheat, so we, we okay he cuts wheat in late June. So okay, once the wheat's cut, then we can. But we're you trying to in. trying to get prepared. Yeah, for, have all your ducks in a row, and right, you know how it is with real estate to take forty five days just to yeah get to the closing table sometimes definitely. So anyway, we're excited about it.
0: Man, that's cool. So you've got two hundred and forty acres over there south of the golf course, right? And so are on the second quarter. Are you guys just selling off those lots, or are you going to be building over there as well?
1: Well, uh, Bo and I talk about this a lot. Uh, we have a lot of you know late evening. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, what do they call Uh, when you're drinking adult beverages, uh, brain fluid, you know, we get
0: <laughs> like a, like a brainstorming session. Yeah.
1: Brainstorming. And we get, you know, get a little hydrated and uh, start coming up with these great <laughs> ideas. And, um, so he sees a big need. I'm sure you do too for, uh, uh, 55 and older gated community.
0: Okay. Yeah. I and, can see uh, that.
1: But making it real nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, uh, you and I talked a little bit about this before, sometimes you might have some elderly folks that, uh, I'm not trying to discriminate against older folks, but uh, maybe they don't want a big house payment. Or maybe they've got a house paid for and they just want some simplicity. And they're willing to maybe lease something. But they don't want to have to take care of the yard. They don't want to pull weeds in their flyer bed. Yep. You know, they don't want to repaint the house. Or you know, if something goes wrong, it'd be nice to have some kind of service contract. So we envision, uh, hey, you don't have to buy a house. You know, we can make it where it's move-in ready, and uh, lease it to you for you know fair price, and we take care of all your 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 needs. So we we want to have, or you can buy it. So we envision thirty or so homes that are fifty-five and older, gated, golf course across the street. Um, we want to have a commercial corner. We when, you know we think ten years down the road, you know, there's parts of Edmond and even Guthrie here that you would thought you would have thought ten years ago would never be a hustle and bustle place like it is. So we have a commercial corner where we, we'd love to have a Hoboken West coffee shop or, a, you know, there you go, or, you know, some Missy's donuts on the West side or a good pizza place or whatever, yeah. uh, or a place well, to get, and you're starting to get,
0: hands. you're starting to get enough houses over there in the Cedar Valley area mm-hmm that you kind of need that infrastructure like you right. need something over there
1: sure you know it's 20 minutes to the turnpike but it'd be nice if you jump in your golf cart and get some bare necessities
0: yeah totally um run to the store you know yeah fill up your ice chest or yeah. you know whatever you need
1: so it's probably a five to ten year project but uh we, we've we've scribbled on the chalkboard and raced it a bunch of times but each time we kind of get a little closer i think what our, our goal is yeah so, but we're going to Go ahead and start small with these six lots, acre and a half, and then a couple five-acre tracks. See what that does, and then kind of tailor make, you know, kind of a what do they call it a, a pud, you know, planned urban development or whatever. You know, just yeah. where we really think think through, like, you know, hey, where could we put a park, you know, or where could yeah. we have some bocce ball at? Yeah, right. Or Man, maybe that's... we can have an indoor something or something. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so just try to balance it where people have a good sense of community they're in the country but still have all the things they need kind of nearby yeah um, and a good net good just good people you know just cedar valley's got a great group of people out there yeah i think people are attracted to that you know
0: in fact that open house i was telling you about uh there was one couple that came through and they've been chris's clients for years mm-hmm. uh, but they had heard about the open house uh they came up to the golf course and they said they went and played nine holes and then went, went and hung out at the country club for a little while because they wanted to get a feel for the vibe.
1: Right. And I was like, well, what'd
0: you think? And they're like, oh, we loved
1: sure, it. Yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. Oh, gosh. Yeah, they got a great setup out there. Because you don't have to be a excellent golfer to go play Cedar Valley. You know, it's just, no. it's set up to just everyday hackers like myself can go out there and bun it around and have a good time. Yep. Uh, so. Drink a couple beers, have some fun. Right. And it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a really pretty place out there. It is. So.
0: So are you guys thinking about just sticking around the, obviously you've got your hands full with Cedar Valley, mm-hmm. but are, are you at, talking about scaling out at all? Or right now you're kind of just yeah. hunkering down in, on Cedar Valley?
1: Well, just in the nature of being in real estate, like you are, if if there's an opportunity, we might jump on it. Right. So, sure. uh, you know, just anybody out there in, in the real estate world, you don't want to paint yourself in a box and say, well, this is, this is all I can do. Yeah. Um, so I told you i had those. I've recently my brother-in-law and I, and I, you know, I've liquidated all my rental properties. I don't know if I'm gonna feel stupid about it. You know, I've regretted every house I've ever sold, uh, thinking that I should have held on to it. Um, but I wanted you, to. You might have done it at the right time. Right? You never know. <laughs> uh, but you know, just to maybe prepare for other opportunities, uh, sure. Uh, stay in real estate, though. You know, I'm not. I didn't sell them because I'm bearish on real estate. Just maybe want to be ready to. Like you say, venture off into something different. Doesn't have to be at Cedar Valley, but uh, yeah, we'd love to get into some commercial stuff. Um, you know, I don't know, how much I, I saw you had that property on South Division. Yeah, uh, going. I mean, I think Guthrie's got. Gosh, there's such a need for some maybe newer commercial property. I agree. And that's a great location.
0: It is. Mm-hmm. And so you've got that frontage right there on South Division. You go a quarter mile to the north, and you've got that new Meridian Technology Center.
1: Right. Oh, it's beautiful. I think beautiful. that's
0: big, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the the apartments behind it, and then you've mm-hmm. got the senior living over there as well. Yeah. So there's a lot coming up over there. And I'm, I'm very bullish on Guthrie. Oh, yeah, me too. Dude, it's blowing up.
1: Right. And, People are always amazed when they come here. I don't yeah. know what people's mindset is, but they're like, Wow Guthrie, what a great town, you know?
0: yeah, well, and i I love seeing because I, I obviously on the the you know Guthrie talks Facebook page and whatever the other one's called, but every once in a while I'll see um you know a new couple post on there, and they'll just say, you know hey i'm so and so, this right. is my new husband, to blah blah blah, new to town, you know yeah, all right. this stuff, and I'm like man, like people are excited to be here Oh yeah, excited to move, and actually check this out, so I got a call from a guy from Bakersfield, California. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, he's asking about this community out east of town, and he said, "My sister's been out there twice, uh, to looking at places. I'm getting ready to move, and I just had some questions about it. Mm. And so we're talking about it, and, and I kind of asked him, you know what's what's you know bringing you out here from Bakersfield?" And of course, he talks a little bit about policies and government and everything sure. out there and, and how his whole family's just done with California right. And uh, so so I was like, okay, so you've got, you know, a few people moving out. And he's like, well, me and my wife are one of the last ones. We're the 21st and 22nd members of our family to move from California to Guthrie.
1: That's incredible. I was
0: like, this entire family moved from Bakersfield, California
1: to Guthrie. That's amazing. You talk about new people, I always kind of, Bo's brother Nash is always good about people that are negative on the Guthrie Facebook page or just negative about Guthrie. I'm always a glass half full guy. Yes. But it always amazes me, uh, the new people that come to town and cut, like you are saying, just join on there. Just like, I don't know what you guys are talking about with all this negativity. This place is great. You know, Yeah, I had stables last night and their ribs were perfect, you know, but, uh, 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 but people don't know, (laughs) you know, people come from other States and I don't think people appreciate how, how good it is around here Uh, and still affordable. Yes. And, um, you know, just a good group of people. Um, everything well, he needs here.
0: <clears throat> I think you're always going to have the people that just kind of have a negative outlook on everything, mm-hmm. or just want to bitch and oh, moan yeah. about
1: something. Sure. You know,
0: and that's just a part of life. But um, one thing that that I I don't get upset about it, but it kind of bothers me is when people say like, "Oh, all these," you know dipshits moving here from California. Oh, they're going to change the culture. You know, yeah, they're going to change the culture. This guy I'm telling you about from Bakersfield, he put it perfectly. He was like, you know, I hear in the Midwest everyone bitching about people moving out from California, but I'll tell you what, it's not the, you know, crazy right. left-wing sure. blue-haired people that are moving to <laughs> Oklahoma. He was like, it's the people that want to get away from that, or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Um, and so I, that's kind of my thing. I, I talked to a guy at the hardware store a couple weeks ago. And I was telling him about how much Guthrie's growing and how cool it is to see it. And, and he was, uh, kind of whining about how much more traffic there is in Guthrie. Mm-hmm. He was like, I wish all these people just go back to California. Oh, gosh. And I, and I'm like, well, you know, when you think about it, you know, sure. They're cashing out on their real estate or their investments or whatever. And they're, they're bringing that money out here and, and okay. They're outbidding people or paying cash for their house or whatever, but think about how much cash that is being injected into our local oh, economy. Gosh. It's stimulating, um, you know, builders are starting new construction sites or developments. You've got people bringing their businesses out from California, starting mm-hmm. up new businesses. Um, you've got all sorts of capital right. coming well, into the local economy.
1: And there's no doubt that growth has pains. Sure. Uh, but, you know, maybe that same individual would be the one like, Guthrie just doesn't have anything. Well, it's never going to have anything if you don't have... You know, ad valorem and the bonds that are able to get passed. You got to have people. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to have, you know, people that are building half million dollar homes. You know that 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 adds up. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you see what's going on in Southern Logan County. You yes. Know, um,
0: like down at Covell. And-
1: right. You know, unfortunately, you know, years ago, I don't know how all the school zoning worked, where a lot of Southern Logan County is still Deer Creek or Edmond schools, but uh, you know, but that 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 progress or the, 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 those people are going to be in the Guthrie School District, which is going to, you know, obviously uh, make our superintendent, Mike Simpson's job harder, you know, trying bonds for new schools and improvements. But, uh, you know, I grew up in Guthrie Schools and Bo, you know, lots of people I know went through Guthrie and had the great education, you know, met lots of good people, lots of good relationships. So, I'm excited for the growth.
0: He's he's another one, Mike Simpson. He's someone I'd like to have on the podcast. Oh, he'd be great. Yeah, I I mean I haven't met him, but I've heard from Bo and other people mm-hmm. that, that he's doing a great job. And yeah. how long's he been the superintendent?
1: Over ten years, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah, he's a Stillwater guy. Okay. Um, but I he's, hear he's
0: doing some good things. Yeah,
1: and uh, real sharp. Um, he actually you know, he goes to the church I go to, and uh, he's got a heart for Guthrie. Uh, yeah. So that he's not just here to draw a check or whatever. He, he's invested. Um, that's good. So yeah, great. He would be great.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, I think we, we agree Guthrie's going to be blowing up mm-hmm. here soon. What are your thoughts on the increases in housing prices and affordability? And we've got some stuff going on with interest rates right now. We had, uh, we were talking earlier, December I think the national um, average was 311 mm-hmm. uh, rate wise and today we're at almost four and three quarters
1: right it's gonna be tougher to navigate for sure um, before I left the bank uh, you know I'd still try to keep up with it but I was listening to a Wells Fargo guy <clears throat> you know he's predicting six percent uh, by end of the year um, so I think we're kind of getting close to the precipice as far as the curve going straight up. So it would be nice to see things level off. Mm -hmm. Another thing that'll help, you know, you kind of know a little bit about this with Bo and I situation, just, you know, it's not that the builders are making a ton more money, Uh, you know, concrete, lumber, copper wire, you know, shingles, everything, labor itself. Uh, So, you know, it's not like the builders are getting all the, the dough. It's just the cost of business. Everybody's just trying to maintain their margins. Um, But I think if we can get, Commodities come down, you know, they're, they're really trying hard with the interest rate environment to drive down inflation. Hopefully that'll help. Um, but it's going to be challenging. We're still very affordable. Uh, uh, like I, one I, of the most affordable Right, states. so I, you aren't you from California? Yes. Yeah. And you were in Vegas for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I was playing golf out in Vegas not too long ago with some guys, and they lived about an hour north of San Francisco. And it's funny, it was, one of them was a mortgage guy. One of them was a developer and one of them was a builder. So you know, right in my wheelhouse. They're building houses out there. Doesn't even count your lot, which are expensive, eight hundred dollars a foot, for what
0: in Vegas or no, in San Francisco?
1: About an hour north of San Francisco.
0: Holy shit!
1: Yeah. So he was building a three thousand foot house, not counting the lot, two point four million.
0: That's insane. Yeah. And we're building like I because I see the stuff you guys are building. Right. These are not like, I mean, these are nice houses. You sure.
1: Think. I mean, and you're
0: doing it for a buck 80.
1: Right. So, you know, if, hypothetically a, a 3000 footer in our edition, same house that they might be building, you'd be, what, what's my math? 520, 525. Yeah. Um, but, but we have, we have some stuff under 400. Uh, we, we definitely want to, part of our emphasis is we always want to have a product that's not lesser than the rest, but just dollar wise doesn't shock you, you know? So we have one that's a two 2,100 footer that you can get in for about three eighty five. Okay. Um, so that's
0: not bad at all. Not bad. Yeah. Man, you mentioned Vegas and, uh, th- I'm, I'm amazed by Vegas because, uh, so like in, in the beginning of my real estate, mm-hmm. uh, career, uh, I kind of had it in my mind and I think my mom did this to me, but she begged me, When I was younger, so I was in retail management at the time. I was working for Best Buy, and she said, uh, "You know, between uh, your your income and my credit, right? We could really, you know, start buying some investment property and start renting them out and make some money." And I was terrified of like doing anything with money. I like, I, I didn't want to let it go. Right. And, like I had it in the bank and yeah, I was like, yeah, nurturing it, you
1: know? What year was it? And
0: so this was in, uh, like it kind of started in 05 and 06 okay. was when the seeds started getting planted in my mind. And, um, I was, uh, I pushed and pushed and pushed. And then finally, um, I had turned 18 And I had started, uh, I guess, just hearing more about investment property Mm -hmm. and uh, and actually kind of like Robert Kiyosaki talks about, Mm -hmm. you know, the cash flow quadrant Mm -hmm. and moving from the left side to the right side, getting into investment. That's where wealth is. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had a lot going on at that time and, and I thought this is the time to do it you know? And, and so this would have been 07. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, I think it was July of 07 when I made the move on this house. It was a, uh, new construction development. Um, but see, I, I didn't, my issue was I didn't educate myself on any of this stuff beforehand. I just kind of said, well, I guess it's the right, it's the right time to buy a house. You know, I, I talked to someone about getting qualified, I qualified and I was like, let me do it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, um, I didn't consult an agent. I didn't have a realtor representing me. I went directly to the builder. He linked me up with a lender. This is how shady it was in 2007. I had just bought a brand new car, a Volkswagen Jetta, and I'm sitting at the table talking to this lender. And he asks me, "We're going over like my monthly expenses." And he asks me if I want to go ahead and just roll that that um, <laughs> that car into the loan, oh, sure. pay off the car, and it'll save me 400 bucks a month. And at first I was like, oh, I'd love to say 400 bucks a month. You know, I'm adding the $1,600 a month payment. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm just sitting there and I was like, wait, so does that mean that I'd just be paying this over 30, 30 years? years? Right. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, technically <laughs> and I'm like, how does that make sense? So I didn't end up doing that, but I did end up buying the house and I was on uh, I got the loan at a 6% uh, adjustable rate. Oh gosh, yeah. Fixed for six months. Oh man. Fixed for six months.
1: You needed somebody holding your hand there.
0: Dude, <laughs> I didn't know what I had just signed up for, but I was over the moon. I bought this house and uh, it was new construction. And so I kind of got to be involved in the, in the front selections. end. Yeah, making selections. I picked out the countertops and the paint and all that stuff. And I was so excited. Oh yeah. My plan was I would live there for a couple years and uh, then maybe I'd buy something else and rent this out or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so six months later or seven, it was shortly after the arm expired or the fixed rate expired. Um, and everything started kind of getting shaky in the housing world. Oh, gosh. I didn't realize what was happening, but I get my mortgage statement or, you know, my mortgage bill, my payment was like 1609 or something like that. And it had gone up to 2900. And I was like, I was like, that's not real. Yeah. Someone fucked up.
1: Where's customer service? Yeah,
0: and I did. I <laughs> called the bank, and I, I was like, Hey, something. I think you guys charged me for two months. You know, I don't know what's going on here. And she was like, No, your your interest rate went up, and so you know that's it. it, it that's your payment now. Oh, I was like, No, <laughs> there's no way I can afford that. You're talking three thousand dollars a month. I don't even make that kind of money. And there zero flexibility. There was, and here's what they told me. Actually, they said. Cause I asked them, I was like, what's my options because I can't pay this. And they said, well, I mean, there's a lot of foreclosures right now and it's going to take them a while to get around to yours. So I would say just stop paying. And I mean, you've got a few months, you can live there, save up some money and, and go rent something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, the, they're telling me to just stop paying for the house. Right. And, and, you know, bank a couple months, you know, of, of your mortgage payment. And then that way I can go rent something anyway, to make a long story short, um, that it like wrecked my dreams of being in real estate Mm -hmm. and, and destroyed me financially. And then you kind of couple that with, um, you know, my mom had passed away and I decided to move across the country and, um, Five six months later, my sister passes away. So I'm like, I'm a wreck. Oh yeah, and I had given up. Like I was not even.
1: It's amazing you're back in real estate.
0: It it is amazing, (laughs) but yeah,
1: (laughs) you know, banks got. There's a reason why they got have such a black eye. It's that letting stuff like that happen. You know, just because the bank will, just because you can afford it, and the bank will loan you the money, doesn't make it right. Yeah. Well, see,
0: I don't even know if I could have afforded it. Mm-hmm. I think if, if I remember correctly, um, I, I don't even think I had to give them like a tax return or, or anything. I think I just said mm-hmm. how much I made. I really don't remember ever giving them any employment verification, no nothing. Dirt, sure. I, I think I just said, yeah, I make this. Right. And they were like, okay.
1: And that's why I don't think we're going to have a as bad of a downturn this time. You know, it. Like you, you've been involved in long enough that those those underwriters that underwrite mortgages now, it you you've definitely got to check the boxes off. Oh yeah. Uh, now that's not to say that you know you can't lose your job or you know maybe the oil industry around here falters again, but uh, it, it, there's a lot better credit out there than there was then.
0: So like you're saying, the loans are better, right? So they're, I, I, they're not as shaky.
1: There's not going to be, and the they they aren't letting banks do that arm stuff anymore where you can just, uh, you know, there's a lot of things about the Dodd-Frank Act that I didn't like, but but there are some things that are good for consumer protection as far as how much your rate can go up when it yeah. adjusts and uh, things of that nature. But Well, and I think they also
0: put a, uh, like a security mechanism in there and that's that the rate can't increase, if it does, mm-hmm. it can't increase over a certain amount
1: like it's got a ceiling year. to it.
0: Yeah. Right. Which so. is, that's a huge help because like mine, um, it, I think it went from six to 10 or six to 11%
1: mm-hmm. overnight. Yeah. Gosh. I did, you know, Crazy. Same, same problem. My first development ever did. I bought, so I quit the bank. I, so I worked at a bank in Guthrie. Built a couple houses. I'm like, this is easy, you know. I got Robert Kiyosaki teaching me every night how to do this. And, and one of the things Kiyosaki tells you is, it's almost like real estate. You know, sometimes you have to look at hundred deals to find one, yeah. or, or you know, go through a hundred leads. To, so there might be real estate. There's real estate everywhere. Oh, ooh, I want that. Ooh, I want that. But you know, you got to analyze that cash flow. You know, think about the dark day. But uh, I didn't think about the dark day, so I bought uh, eighty acres to develop. Actually, I bought two forty, but I couldn't afford one sixty of it. So I had a buyer lined up the next day to buy some of it from me. But I did that early 07. Had my yellow pad, all my costs. Just, oh, you know, cost this, gonna sell it for X. Look at all this money. Yeah. Well, what happened? So economy tanked. At the same time, oil was going up. So my price of asphalt for my roads almost doubled what I thought. Oh. And then you know if we start having the housing crash, so I'm the only way I'm gonna sell lots. Now, because I thought I was going to sell some to some builders, well, I couldn't find any builders to buy my lots. So now I'm sitting there having to build my own houses and sell them, just to make this, just to break even. Yeah. Uh, luckily, you know, I got through it. But what I would tell any young real estate person wanting to get into it is just, um, in real estate, you make your money on the buy. You know, you don't make it on the sell. So, um, don't overpay. Um, and That's so important. Yeah, if you're if you're hesitant. There's a fine line between glass half full, glass half empty, I guess, or like I said, can't steal second with your foot on first. But you got to know what your exit plan is before you even buy it. Uh, yeah. And you know, you've had your nose bloodied. I've had my nose bloodied enough. So, um, you know, Bo likes to tell me I'm the liver and the onions of the of the partnership. He's the <laughs> filet and surf and turf. Yeah. So I'm I'm always kind of negative Nancy like. Ugh. But
0: you've got to have that.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, mean I think it's,
0: it's just like a marriage. Uh, I mean, your your spouse usually is the complete opposite of you. Sure. And I think the same principle applies in business. If you've got two people that are both that super optimistic, Ew, it'll we'll figure it out. It'll right. work. Right. You're gonna lose your pants. Yeah. You know? Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You, you'll swing and miss big. Yeah. Uh, so.
0: So on uh, on the building side one of the things that I noticed in Vegas, um, so after, after that, like, you know, maybe late 08, 09, there were all these communities that were like half built builders just went out of business, oh. left it, you know, right. like the community I was in, they had built two streets and everything else was just dirt. The only things that were up were these little concrete walls, like your, you know, your fence for your backyard or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was all over the city. Oh, I bet. And, uh, for years, you didn't hear anything really about new home builders. Mm -hmm. The only people that were left were the big builders. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember kind of having my eyes open to the numbers as far as new homes go. And this report from NAR said that from 2012 to 2020 or 2021, so that eight or nine years, we should have been building 12 and a half million new homes to keep up with demand and growth. Mm And in that time, we only built just shy of seven million new homes,
1: and we're still trying to make the gap up.
0: And we, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, in your mind, I'm I'm trying to look at like the the macro environment here, but we've got um, uh, still a huge demand for real estate, new homes, mm-hmm. and and I'm seeing more builders kind of come into these markets, or I guess you know come out or come into existence. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm wondering despite prices going up and interest rates going up, um, people are still going to have to buy. Right. Right. Because the demand's just there. The law of it's numbers. It's just there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, like you said, I've heard it's going to take five to seven years to catch up to where we should be. Okay. Um, you know, in Oklahoma where oil bus, Pin square and you know, the oh eight oh nine debacle, you didn't have D.R. Horton, um, Toll Brother. I mean, there's there's lots of publicly traded companies that are actually building in the Oklahoma area now. You know, you got a big builder like Tabor. Yeah. Uh, are they
0: just local or are they a national company?
1: Uh, he's Tulsa. He's actually expanded into Kansas City market, I do believe. Okay. Um, they build a lot around here. Oh, gosh. I think he did 1,100 homes last year. Wow. Okay. But, you know, the 07, you know, what you experienced... There was probably a lot of builders that were, in their fifties at that time, that just threw up their hands, you know, just and don't want to get back into it again, you know. See, so so a lot of times that builder that builds ten or twelve houses a year, they fill a lot of those gaps. uh, Yeah. On that trend line you're talking about. Yeah. So there's not as many of those guys around now. Um, so.
0: So there's still a pretty good opportunity for builders.
1: And it's hard to find the dirt, you know. Nationally, you hear about. There's lots of regulations, you know. Oh, there's a protected beetle here, or, or you, they make you pay for a lot of the infrastructure, and uh, just obtaining the dirt and getting through the permitting process is so expensive. And uh, you know, you just you get municip- municipalities, or they want growth, but they kind of stymie themselves with uh, making it hard All the red for tape. the process to even start. Um, okay. So, well, uh, one of the things
0: one of the things we have going for us is all the farmland, right? Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of these new developments are popping up on, on farmland. rural ground. Sure. Yeah. So, um, it, does that help at all with the the bureaucracy and the red tape of it all?
1: Sure. And, uh, you know, water and sewer are always your first things you have to think about. Yeah. Um, now cause we we're lucky enough that we're above an aquifer here and it extends out kind of where we are there a little bit past and, all the way to the Cimarron, all the way south to Moore and Norman. Okay. So luckily, rural areas around here, you can poke a hole in the ground and get water. Okay. Uh, now you might have to get a softener or whatever. But uh, uh, but sewer, you know, they've had this, we don't, our soil doesn't perk around here the greatest, but they've developed these. What do you mean perk? So like if you have a traditional septic system, if you have clay soil, the water can't permeate the ground. It just sits uh, okay. there. Okay. Uh, so these aerobic systems that they've come up with help you get rid of the. The water part of your sewage <laughs> gotcha um so you don't necessarily have to have that infrastructure in, in the rural area but it's a different set of challenges um but the rural areas are nice at least for me i, I like not nec- i love my neighbor but it's nice if they're a little further away than five feet you know as far as yeah. a, you know you see some of those track homes
0: man you see some in uh, so just on the south side of the turnpike from our office at portland memorial you see those homes over there and these are like $400,000 houses Oh gosh! Yeah. and they're like 10 feet off of each other. Right. I mean, it's almost it's like wild. you're
1: in an apartment building, but it's, there's a street down yeah. there. Yeah. Uh,
0: so I think the, I think rural housing is, is really booming.
1: Right. There's a niche for it. You know, some people don't want it. Not everybody wants to get out there and have a brand new John Deere mower and echo weed eater. And I don't want to spend my whole Saturday cutting my grass and weed eating, but a lot of people don't mind it, you know? Yeah. We're hired out. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, and guys want room for a shop, or yeah. you know, need a
1: skate. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> definitely. Cool. So I think uh, I think building is is going to boom. I think Logan County's still booming. Yeah. Um, and so you think that you're you're bullish on Guthrie for oh, yeah. years to come.
1: Mm-hmm. We're, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, you re- read a lot of real estate books is, and you see how other towns have grown it's always ha- the main artery. So we got I-35, you got highway 33, got highway 74. We've got tons of major roads that intersect and get you to Guthrie. And we're close, like you say, to Oklahoma city, Edmond, um, yeah.
0: close enough that people can live out here. Right. And then just make the commute
1: or still get, go to Trader Joe's if you have to, you know, yeah, or, Trader or, Joes. <laughs> or Trader Joe's where, um, you know, hopefully Guthrie will have something like that one day. Yeah. Um,
0: I I think we will. You know, there's a guy, he's actually looking at this place on South Division that we have listed. And he's a diesel mechanic. Mm -hmm. And he's got a shop in Oklahoma City. And uh, they live in Guthrie. And they've been operating, I think, a number of years. But he's wanting to shut down the city operation and open up something in Guthrie mm-hmm. and I was like I, mean, I think it's genius oh yeah I mean the the town's growing and I, I really this is my honest wholehearted opinion I think it, we're only really just starting to see the growth in Guthrie I think it's it's going to get big we've got what like twelve and a half thousand people here now right I think there's going to be 50,000 people in Guthrie before long
1: I could see it in 20 years yeah you know I uh I could definitely see it doubling in Six to eight, yeah. If you know, uh, east of town, of east of where I live, little rural developments going everywhere, and like you said, just people coming from. It's like, where are these people coming from?
0: Yeah, Bakersfield. But, yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: but you know, as soon as they put a sign in the yard, it's gone. Uh, guy that developed 160 acres east of where my house is, um, over 280 lots. You know, I thought, gosh, that's going to take ten years. Two years done. Really built out and sold.
0: How many lots do you guys have there at the landing?
1: 99. 99. Yeah. Okay. Now we, have obviously I think after this month we'll only have about 75 left. Really? Yeah. So we got selling some more this month and next. Holy cow. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, anywhere from 80 to possibly 120 across the street eventually.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. Are you guys still, I know, I know they're not listed. Mm -hmm. Is it just word of mouth bringing these people up? A little
1: bit. Yeah. Um, you know, we like to give our builders maybe first shake at one. You know, it's you'd like to say, hey, before we put this out there, don't want to, you know, you to say, why didn't you let me to have, you know, first shake? So, so we probably talked to a couple of our builders. Um, you know, we got some local guys, Scott Parsons and Renee Parsons with the Parsons and Company. They've built for twenty years here in Guthrie area, and then uh, Elijah and Savannah Morris, at Morris with Honey Homes, and their houses are gorgeous. I love the ones they've rehabbed here in in town, and then. Hunter Garrett find homes, Jay Winkle. He's the one's already got his two houses sold out there. So, but I think we'll list these in a week or two. Um, we might exclude those builders from the contract in case, you know, they want them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know Bo tells me all the time that just they have their builder, they have their plans, but they can't find the dirt, or you know, like can't yeah. find where they want to be.
0: Well, and sometimes, uh, like one of the issues that I've run into a few times recently is that uh, they have land. Mm -hmm. but they can't find a good builder or or a builder that will take the job.
1: Right. Because, you know, even if you're a marginal builder, you're, you should be, you're not hungry. Yeah. Um, You know, there's, there were times where I've, you know, done a custom and probably made minimum wage when I totaled it all up at the end. Oh my God. You know, but, but, uh, uh, and customs are harder, you know, it's a lot more interaction and you want them to be happy. What do you mean interaction? So, a lot of times, and this may be not 100% true, but it's, I saw this on Pinterest and this is what I want. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, this should just... Or you know, there's so many shows on TV that in 30 minutes they turn a, you know, a dump into a beautiful... Million Everybody lines. thinks it's an easy process to do a little customized things. It's not impossible, but, you know, the, the subs and, you know, people that are qualified to do it are harder to find. Yeah. Um, so you sometimes just... Sometimes you have to compromise on bells and whistles. Now, if money's no object. We'll get it done for you. But, sure. you know, a lot of times when you start a process, like, here's kind of my uh, drop-dead number. I can't... So you hate to tell people no and squish their dreams along the way, but sometimes you have to kind of be... In a, I don't know what the best way to put it, like a coach or a fatherly figure or just... I love you, but we got to... There's we got to pick and choose our battles here on, on, on our wants and needs. So I guess the quicker you can figure out what you want from the the beginning and
0: what's really uh, important to
1: you. Right. And not try, you know, avoid trying to make changes along the way. You know, that's what I'd tell. Unless you have deep pocketbooks, but, uh, so try to iron out as many of your choices up front just so you can kind of get your numbers.
0: So one of the things we're working on one <clears throat> that we've got some clients of mine, they bought a lot out there uh-huh. and we went through with Jay Holman and, uh, um, yeah. or no, who was that?
1: Yeah, that's right. It's Jay Holman. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, did the design for us and everything. And thank you for coordinating all that. yeah They love the house. Um, but one of the things that, because this was my first experience with a new build being right. a real estate agent, there were some things that just didn't even click in my head until I would hear you or both say it. Sure. And one of the things was, um, you know, they wanted very high ceilings, mm-hmm. um, like tall ceilings mm-hmm. and, you know, all these big windows and, you know, this and that, uh, which is great. And, you know, if you, like you said, if you've got deep pockets or if you've got the money to pay for it, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but you know, we know that, Hey, this is their cap Mm -hmm. and we had like bumped out a couple walls, made the master bigger, made this bigger, made that bigger. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, we're $30,000 over what they wanted to spend. And so the solution, I think at first in their minds was, well, let's cut back on some of this square footage. Mm -hmm. If we cut out, you know, if if we're building for $182 a foot, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we can, we can cut out, uh, 200 square feet, then problem solved. Right. But it's that's not dollar not, for dollar. It's not dollar for dollar, right? And that didn't even click in my head until you said it, yeah.
1: because it's like the tall walls, you know. It's a, if you have a 16 foot ceiling, and you've got a 500 foot square foot living room. Well, it's almost you've built a thousand foot living room, but you don't get the credit for it in your appraisal or whatever else. You have the same square footage, but you've paid for twice the wall space, twice the drywall, yeah, twice the paint. Uh, so, so just because you, and doesn't change the cost of. Uh, uh, you know, your water well or your propane tank or your septic system. or There's, there's there's whether it's a 3,000-foot home or a 2,000-foot home, this, you're going to buy the same thing as that 3,000-foot guy bought. The 2,000-footer guy's having to spend the same amount of money on his house, on those particular items. Okay. So just because you lower your footage a little bit doesn't mean that you're not spending the, those fixed dollars there. So So actually, the bigger you go... In theory, your price per foot should come down. You yeah. know, your builders should be able to work with you a little bit on some items. You just don't want to make the realtors mad. Like, well, don't sell that for less per foot than what we're trying to get our comps to, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, so you, you just want to balance it out. But most builders, you know, you have to find one that wants to take the time to do that with you. You know, some of them are just like, hey, just show me the plans. I'm going to build your house. You know, it's going to cost Really. Ads. Yeah. But,
0: uh, well, and you guys kind of go through, uh, th- through everything with the client. Like I remember I had called Bo the other day and you guys were out running around picking out, you know, what were right. fixtures or, you know, oh, yeah. this and that. And so you guys kind of handle everything. Try to. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And a lot of times people come to you and they're like, well, what's popular? You know, some, some people are real easy. Like, well, just make it look good. Or what's popular and or show me three things. You know, we're, we're, building one for, uh, uh, Bo's sister-in-law's sister. Um, okay. and she was we took her to the showroom, you know, we were in and out of there in an hour, you know. She, she wanted to keep it simple. You know, I need to stay on budget, but show me three or four choices. Ch-ch-ch-ch, you know, and like, Greg, is this good? Yeah, that's good. You know, we just do move you, on to the next one. Do you
0: take them to the showroom? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Do you that's, ever find that uh that they they start getting like analysis paralysis oh, gosh. looking at everything?
1: Yeah, that's kind of sometimes you go in, you're like, This is either gonna be three hours or we're gonna throw up our hands in an hour and like start over yeah <laughs> uh, but you know, this particular customer it's helpful to call ahead to your designer say hey this is kind of the price point we need to be at can you go ahead and get some stuff out that meets okay. that so you try to plan ahead for the customer because you don't want to you don't want to see something oh look at well that's nine dollars a foot you know okay. let's go ahead and get stuff out on the table that we already know is going to be in the price point so that's that's something you can do ahead of time
0: Okay. So if you're building a new house for someone, is there like a line item budget so that they know like, hey, I'm spending this much on fixtures, I'm spending this much on this?
1: Right. Yeah. Um the caveat to that is it seems like every thirty days I'm getting a price increase notice from my concrete guy, my brick guy, my roofing company, the lumber guy, the commodity based items. Yeah. You know, even flooring, you know. So it's getting harder to meet and talk with somebody and then start 90 days later, the goalpost might have been moved on you. Okay. Whereas before, six to 12 months, you could generally.
0: You'd be pretty close. Be
1: okay. So now we're having to pay attention to that. So what I'm trying to do in my budgets is maybe the customer doesn't know it, but I try to have a little bit of wiggle room in some of my numbers and, you know, to not just have to drop bad news every time on them okay um so try to fudge a little bit best you can and stay in their budget
0: yeah so but maybe more, like working in like a uh I'm trying to think of what to call it but kind of like a uh emergency fund right. or like an overage
1: pool right right okay. and you know when you have a line out of budget you might know well, if i was doing this today it would cost x well i'm going to go ahead and round up a thousand dollars in case 30 days from now i get a price increase it might only be a 200 hundred dollar price increase but i've I've cushioned that line item where I know I'm not going to have a red figure next to it. So, cause okay. you know, at the end, every day on my Excel spreadsheet, I'm, you know, black, red, black, you know, it's turning more red these days. Jeez. You know, every, every line item, you're like, Oh gosh, you know, that was more than I thought. So at the end, it's either, you know, lots of times it sometimes comes out of the builder's pocket, you know, just like, well, you know, you want to appease the customer. and
0: Take care of them.
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes you get to the end of the deal, they're, they're capped out. You know, well, how are we going to make this work? Uh, so. Yeah. But you try to, early on, like if we need to steer the Titanic before it hits the iceberg, we need to start doing it now. Okay. You know, I don't want to drop a bad news on them at closing time. Yeah. Like, oh, by the way, you need to write me a check for 25000
0: <laughs> Say what? Right.
1: <laughs> so you try and make it where it's like 45 days in, hey, $1,000 over. You know, here's where we are. Yeah. Uh, but we're this much over, so we need to watch our P's and Q's.
0: So you keep, um, like, when you're working with these clients, do you stay in, like, daily, weekly, biweekly communication with them? Like yeah.
1: You... So something Bo's great at, and I'm terrible, and I'm since I've quit the bank, I need to get better at it. We have an app called uh, Builders, Source or something, uh, but, but it's an app on your phone where you can give your client a login, and they can see your budget, or, you know, see the stages of how we are building, and what's next, and what communication's been had, and, Oh, you know, here's our select, you can upload your selections into it and they can have the log in. They can't see anybody else's build, but they can see their build and it's all on their phone.
0: That's kind of cool. Yeah.
1: So I'm going to try to get better at utilizing that. Bo's been playing around with it for a while, but I, I haven't been able to get into it yet. I'm like I said, yellow pad or X, Excel spreadsheet. That's best I can do. Um, but I want to get better at this app so that when it keeps everybody organized too, um, I don't forget something I can go in every night and see they can go in anytime. Yeah you know just because my heat and air guy showed up I'm not going to call them and tell them, but they can see it if I entered into my the app that they can look at that oh well, the duct work got run today you know you just go in there today this happened today and type it in and they can see it okay uh, nice. so that's good yeah so we're so going it
0: allows them to have a little more uh like a sense of control over right. what's going on in the build
1: and mm-hmm. what's happening when yeah cuz you know you'll have a customer say well when do we need to you know worry about uh Picking out our paint color, or whatever it's like. You know, we don't even have drywall yet, or whatever. It's just like, well, there's nothing wrong with thinking about it now, but we don't, we don't have to make all those selections right now. Or you know, I need a special faucet here. It's like, well, we'll get there. Uh, yeah. So this this app kind of helps you see. Well, this is what's next. You know, so you're always trying to. They want to know what's next. Yeah. Yeah. Why did, why has nobody been at my house for a week?
0: I think it's the same thing in real estate, like on the purchase or sale side of things. Like I found that, um, even more than I thought initially, it's important to keep them up to date just with what's going on or Mm -hmm. what's supposed to be happening right now or, or what the next step is because people don't do this every day, Mm -hmm. you know? And so they're selling their house. They kind of want to know like, you know, Hey, so what's after this? Or where are we going next?
1: And I might not be worried about it, but I'm bad about, Hey, I know you do this a lot, Greg, but this is their first time. It's a big investment. Even if nothing's happened, touch and feel, you know, let's, let's reach out and say, Hey, nobody was here, but you know, here's some updates I've had from a supplier or, you know, Hey, I talked to this, sub, here's the plan. Cause every build has its challenges. Just like anything in real estate, there's time delays, whether price increases or that's out of stock or. Whatever. Uh, are,
0: are you seeing a lot of things out of stock right now, or back ordered?
1: Back ordered. Not not necessarily that you're never going to get it, but well, that's six months out. Well, I kind of need it in ninety days. Well, here's what I can get you in ninety days. So sometimes you have to substitute items, like a fireplace, for instance, or uh, here a while back, if everybody loves the black hardware. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't get black hinges.
0: Why? And that, I, I still I don't really understand why
1: I think all this stuff is, you know, backwards. everybody likes to blame it on maybe things are outsourced to China or wherever. But, you know, the covid shutdowns and like I say, just everybody building. Um, I don't understand it either. <laughs> yeah, I wish I did.
0: Well, and, and I get like when when we were kind of in the midst of covid or, or coming out of it. Um, I, the supply chain issues totally made sense to me, mm-hmm. you know, supermarket shelves were a little empty or, you know, this was back order. This was back order. It takes time to catch up. I understand. But, um, in my mind, at least I feel like, I feel like we're far enough out of this that we should have been able to catch up a bit. All right. But, um, I, I don't know. It almost feels like this culmination of, um, whatever supply chain issues, and inflation, and so, like, manufacturing costs are high, mm-hmm. so manufacturers aren't producing as much because they can't afford it, but the demand's still there, so I, I don't
1: know. Well, and, and you know, you, you hear companies talk about they can't find people, you know, so. Yeah. Whereas you might have um, the people we buy brick from, where they might be running a, a regular shift and a, what do they call the shift that's, like, from 7 to 11? That's, oh, like a split. Uh, yeah, a swing shift. Or, or a swing that. shift, yeah. Uh, maybe not 24 hours, but... Now they just don't have enough, uh, employees to, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if there's just been, I don't know why we don't have enough people in the workforce that, that baffles me too. I don't get it. Cause you know, I'm broke. You know, every time, you know, it's so, up. Yeah. How are people making money?
0: Yeah. Well, and one of the things I see a lot is, uh, people, especially younger people, they'll post on Facebook or something. Does anyone know of a good paying job? Right. Or, you know, does anyone know of uh, whatever, something that pays more than 15 an hour? Or right. And I'm like, man, I mean. Come on.
1: Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, I guess they keep living at home until they, they find it. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, not trying to be political, but, uh, you know, I wish they'd figure out this immigration uh, deal because, you know, there's so many people that would love to have those jobs, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You know, and I, I know it's a fiasco down there at, at the border, but just getting into our country, uh, you know, my wife, she works for a pulmonologist and her family's from hun- Hungary and it's they can't come. It's just hard for them to get a, you know, come visit. Uh, or even if they wanted to move here. Just, I just wish there was a better system. Yeah. Because lots of people want to come to America.
0: Yeah. And and they want to work. And, yeah. you know, here's something uh, I used to hear. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Earl Nightingale, but I absolutely love uh, his stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, he did uh, the whole strangest secret in the world. We become what we think about back in okay. like, the early 50s. Yeah. But um, he at one point ends up talking about, Uh, how America is the land of opportunity, Mm uh, the, you know, the, the greatest civilization really that's ever existed Mm -hmm. and how, uh, you know, you can come here and, and make your dreams happen literally. And, uh, he kind of pulls some numbers. Obviously this is all from way back in the Mm -hmm. 50s, 60s, 70s, but he talks about the average, um, you know, immigrant that comes in, you know, they could be a millionaire inside of five years right? because they come in and they know like America is the land of opportunity. Sure. I can do it. If I can just get there, I can make it happen. Mm-hmm. And they get here and they do it.
1: I think Have you ever seen that graph, uh, nationalities that live in America and their and their either their income or their wealth or whatever, you know, just people like you and I, we're just down in the middle. You yeah. Know, it's people from, you know, from India or from, from China or, um, just different regions of the world that you would that are hardworking people that they come here with boots on the ground ready to get after it. Yeah, uh, you know I think America has kind of lost a little bit of its work ethic. I don't know, you know, I don't know. Uh,
0: I, I I agree. And and again, without getting too political, right. I think I think there's um, there's a lot of uh, I want this, but I don't want to pay for it kind of thing. Like in terms of work ethic or yeah, or sweat, put sweat equity in it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I used to hear this, uh, this expression when I was wanting to like get a new job or a better job, my mom would say, well, you got to get out there and pound the pavement. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to figure out what you want and, you know, go get it and this and that. And, and I kind of like back then had this thing like, well, you know, let me surf around and put a bunch of applications in and do this and do that. Uh, but it really wasn't until a number of years ago that I think I just realized, like, man, no one's going to do this shit for you. Oh, no. And there are people coming in by the truckloads mm-hmm. from other countries that are hungrier than you. Oh, yeah. And if you're not showing up to the table, they're going to eat your fucking lunch.
1: Yeah, you're going to lose.
0: Yeah, nine thing. times out of ten or ten out of ten.
1: You said something early on, We uh, something you did where I don't even know if you said you got paid for it. I don't. I can't remember what it was, but it was more of a, I'm just here to learn. Yeah, well, uh,
0: you come to the table as a learner. Right. You so, know?
1: you know, that's the first chapter of Rich Dad Poor Dad. He describes how, you know, my rich daddy made me come work in the grocery store and yes. I, I thought on Friday for, I, for I, a dime it, an hour or yeah, something uh, like that. 10 like, cents I'm an hour. you getting ripped off here. Yeah. You know what's going on. And uh, you know, he talks about how it took him so long to figure out you're this is like getting a free college education. Exactly. Uh, you know, I'm going to show you the way, you know, and how to you know, we talked earlier about the guy that found vintage t-shirts and uh, Goodwill stores. And, you know, now we've got NBA players buying them for a hundred bucks.
0: And, and these guys have ended up turning that into a
1: business. Big business. Yeah.
0: And they're making big money, yeah. you
1: know? So people just, like you say, there are people though. I mean, you, you're, you're like me. I, I love following people on Twitter that give those success stories, you know, and how they made it, how they did it. And you're like, gosh, that, I'm smart enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but too many people, I think, get discouraged, uh, you know, one defeat. What,
0: what is it that, that makes people discouraged to go out there and, and make something happen? Because like you, I mean, you, you had all this early experience with real estate investment, mm-hmm. kind of dabbled in it for a while. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, when I think about you leaving the bank mm-hmm. and going out on this limb that could cost you everything... Sure. But, you know, you were willing to take the risk mm-hmm. and you made you made it happen. And some would say, oh, was, he just, you know, confident enough or, right. or whatever it is. But it's more than that. There's something else. Well,
1: this might sound weird, but, and I might be way off base here, but we always hear about the kids that everybody gets a ribbon at the end of the season you mm-hmm. know, or gets no over- reward. So I just think some of our youth have been trained that, ah, you can do it half-assed and you're still going to get a prize at the end. Well, once the real world hits, you can't half-ass it and get a, a reward. You know, um, it doesn't work like so that. so. Even to show more lack of education, you know, it's like I believe in what Ricky Bobby said: either first or last, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, well, and to, to that point, second place, you're first loser. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. If you ain't first, you're last. Yeah. But to that point, if you don't go out with the expectation that you know, Hey, I could do this Mm -hmm. and I could be the, you know, the number one builder in this area or the number one agent in this area, or I could do this. You know, I think people don't dream big enough.
1: Right. Uh, you know, what's, Oh, what's Lou Holt's four things you need in life. Uh, something to do, someone to love, something to believe in and something to hope for, you know, so you could break it down into, you know, someone to love, spouse, uh, something to do, you know, keep your brain active, be busy. You know, I don't care where you are in your walk of life. You got to wake up every morning with a purpose, something to do. Yeah. Uh, Something to believe in, you know, whether that's spiritual or, or or, or what have you. Uh, And then something to dream about. So even though you're trying to accomplish certain things, what are my, what's my 10 year dream? You know, so always, always be thinking about what your four things are, your purpose. Uh, And I think when kids that don't get the ribbon or their first few ventures out, they get, hit in the mouth and like, well, that's too hard.
0: And they give up
1: and they give up and I didn't even get a ribbon for it. You know, yeah. <laughs> right? I didn't get a trophy, no participation trophy. It sucks,
0: man. I think, I think that, uh, is probably one of the biggest things is that people give up too early, too fast. Yeah. And, and they're not willing to like take the hickeys or, you know, get slugged in the jaw mm-hmm. fail. Cause at the end of the day, like that's where you learn. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm sure you've learned more from the oh, houses you fucked up on oh, gosh. than anything
1: else. That's the best you know, I call it, you know, sometimes when you overpay for like, well, that, that hurt. Well, that's free tuition for later. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, won't but, make that mistake again. You know, let's try not to do that. And not that you won't make the same mistake, but you might handle it better the next time too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I, I think the people that come to America, they're not going to take the first punch and fall down. No. You know,
0: no. They see this as the land of opportunity.
1: Right. You know, Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Right. You know, so. Uh, those people come here, they, they know they're going to get in the mouth. They know they're going to have an uphill battle. Yeah. But they persevere. So, yeah. You know, so if I was somebody young or whatever, and maybe I'm trying to learn that mindset as a youngster or young realtor, or young real estate investor, just follow people that, uh, Twitter, or just even locally find a Craig in your life or, you know, find a bow, find, find somebody that's already kind of killed the dragon. And, uh, Man, just rub elbows with them, because uh, they'll be the first. To, you know, it's easy to look at somebody and say, "Gosh, must be nice to be them." It's like, well, you know, a lot of a lot of tears, a lot of blood, a lot of a lot of things happen to be successful. Yeah,
0: can't just look at someone that's you, you know, know made the money yeah. and think like, "Oh, must have been nice."
1: Don't be jealous of them. Don't make excuses about it. Find out how to be like you know, imitation is the best form of flattery, right? So there you go. You know, I'm, I, I tried to learn by osmosis. Always surround yourself with smarter people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so not hard for me to do.
0: Man, Greg, it's been awesome to have you. Yeah, me.
1: great. This has been good conversation. And this is so wonderful. I really I, you know, I, I think this is really gonna grow what you're doing and what a service to people.
0: I think it's good. It's nice having people like you on or, you know, a home inspector or another mm-hmm. lender or someone and just, this is great information to have. Right. It's good for me to learn. And I feel like if it's valuable for me, it's going to be valuable, valuable for someone else. So exactly. well, thanks uh, for having uh, me-, me. means a lot. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank All you. Right. We'll catch you guys on the next one.